Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Rambling Viking Podcast. I'm your host and I have a special guest. <sighs> Baby one. Who's got some sugar-free gas going on. So, Farts and Corona might be the working title of this episode. I don't know. By the time you're hearing this, I've chosen a, a title. But, um, <clears throat> got my buddy Seth here joining us today and as this corona epidemic continues we're just trying to stay sane in quarantine really i think is i mean that's kind of my plan really i'm just trying to figure out if farts are a new symptom of coronavirus (laughs) that's what i want to know We're going to have intermittent gas here because that's what he's had for, I don't know, a solid 12 hours? <laughs> it's, it's been bigger than 12 hours. Oh, yeah. It's, I've yeah. had it for the last, like, five days. <laughs> Turns out the, what is it, the Blue Bunny Sweet Freedom? Blue Bunny Sweet Freedom. It start well, it'll, anything with, like, sugar alcohol in it will, like, tear me up. So, like, sugar-free cough drops or anything, I'm done for. Like, I'm torched. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if the mic will pick up every single time I Febreze shortly after. I think I think fart. it will, but thank goodness, thank goodness for the Febreze, because, no, I... <laughs> Honestly, I think it's, it's the next time. diet craze, because surely I'm expelling all of the bad things out of my body. Naturally, it's a cleanse. Intermittent gassing? Oh. On, some, on some level, it's a straight-up cleanse. Intermittent gassing. <laughs> Intermittent gassing. Straight gas for about 12 hours. That's what we're looking at doing. But anyways, we are to update. Where are we at? Oh, wow. We broke 200,000 coronavirus cases. That feels good. That is... Um, Just under 9,000 deaths. And about 85,000 recoveries, roughly. I'm all rounding. Yeah, and if you take the number that's in China away... Uh, it's very... <laughs> it's very minimal. And not that important. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, you know what it makes me... You know in audiobooks they have that noise for when it's like a new chapter, a new page. It's almost like if, it if it wasn't every topic. Two, if it wasn't every two minutes, yeah, we should try and switch topics every to to whatever. Every every gas break. This podcast is done in ten minutes if we do that. <laughs> there's no limit. We just gotta switch. We run out of things to talk about. I don't know if there's enough things to talk about with the way I'm ramping up right now. That's probably true. That's probably true. But it, you know, this whole thing does, this whole, witnessing this firsthand definitely reminds me of the, the Haribo crap uh, with the sugar-free stuff. Whatever they used in that sugar-free that caused people to have explosive volcanic diarrhea, this isn't on the same level, but it's like the little brother. It's exactly the same thing, and I didn't know, I had no idea about the Her- Haribo, like, sugar-free nonsense, but I will say that I've, I've willingly brought this upon myself. Like, this is an experiment I've done several times, especially with Sweet Freedom ice cream. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll grab the, I don't know what it is, like a pint or half gallon or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not a small amount of ice cream. It's a good sized tub. Enough for, like, eight people. I think it's a a half gallon. Yeah. And then I eat half of it. And then it's, it's waterworks and farts galore. And if it's not just the funnest time for me and no one else, I just, I don't know what else. On top of it, I'm a coffee drinker, so that's just a natural accident mm-hmm. as well. So I poop three times some mornings because I, just of how it's I'll wake up, poop, get my tea, poop, and then, um, and then the tea will then also work through my system. Um... There's something there's something like about my routine where when I when I sit down before I even drink my tea, my bowels will start to move. They know it's coming. But then also there's the actual laxative effect of certain green teas and stuff and so then I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a three time before 10 a.m. sometimes. The the beauty 
that is signals from your body and the phenomenon that is the bubble guts has just 100% saved me on so many occasions because I think as far as like watery excrement is concerned, like I've experienced it more in the last like two years than I have the rest of my life combined and the times I've been just like knocking on death's door where it's like it's time and whatever happens, we need to be over water when it does. <laughs> is it's mind-boggling at this point, and the amount of it that's self-induced, especially whenever I did carnivore for a month. Wow, just three weeks of three weeks of diarrhea. Just a real treat. But it did. It did. On the carnivore, let's talk about that a little bit. So on on your carnivore diet, so he did, I did like a very tiny experiment, but he carried it more full-fledged for a longer period of time. How long in in total did you say you did the carnivore? Right over a month Okay, is when I did carnivore. And then after I did that, I was still super restrictive after that in that I added back like cheese, mm-hmm. which was weird for a week because... My body hadn't done anything because I guess there's there's microorganisms in your body that help you digest j- dairy, mm-hmm. and I didn't I just didn't have any. So first time I did cheese was weird. It upset my stomach pretty bad. But then that was done with, and then I did eggs back, and that was what I had for like a really long while. So there's no eggs on the carnivore diet, but I think eggs are on the carnivore diet. You just didn't, but I just wasn't ready for it. Like I wasn't every bit an animal. I was was yeah, an animal to be. Yeah, well, any I mean, carnivores would partake in eggs, wouldn't Mm -hmm. they? Absolutely. Yeah, egg is snakes do that. Mm -hmm. Snakes are carnivores. Yes, they are very much so, and they'll eat other snake eggs. They're ruthless. Yeah, they're brutal. So. You had the lick. You had you had the runs basically for three weeks straight, but it did. The tide did kind of stem back, yeah. and it get, got more regular. That was so. That truly was a transition. Yeah, and mine may have been just because of maybe I wasn't like because I was always I was always eating inconsistent amounts, and everyone's testimonials I hear about um, being on carnivore. It's more I like. Uh, it was over in about two weeks, and I clearly carried that a little bit further, but uh, I'm very inconsistent as far as the amount of food I'm taking in, so. Oh, right. Same here. Same here. My <laughs> schedule of eating is just all over the place, It's and so much screwed up my appetite in the last couple of years, but <sighs> interesting Definitely an interesting take because I think what we're seeing more than ever is parity in diet. Like it's no longer like a one diet fits all. It's like vegan for some people, vegetarian for other, keto for some, paleo for some, carnivore for others. And it's just like find what works for you because the more that I learn about diet as just an average American, um, average person. Everything's wrong. The more, yeah, it's A, nobody has a real beat on it. They act like they do, like, oh, well, there's this, this, and that, and it's like, it's fine, okay, but then you find out that health studies, diet studies are probably one of the most difficult studies that you could ever do because there's so many variables and factors, and it's not only just people's day monitoring it and actually controlling someone's diet, and a lot of times it's self-reported stuff, but... Also looking at genetic makeup and other risk factors and different things and, you know, how much rest people are getting and their lifestyles in general. It's yeah. just like you can't even you, – you, we barely scratch the surface on diet. Yeah. No, with – at the end of the day, like, yes, the only thing we have pegged down for diet is like in, in terms of weight loss, it, all of it – all diet is is calories in versus calories out. That's all it has been, always always will be. As soon as you figure out your metabolic rates and how much, like, how many calories you burn just as a human, it's all calories in versus calories out. Because there was a study of a guy who, I believe he was at Kansas State, who lost, who, who did a weight loss thing, and all he did was balance his calories, but he only ate from a vending machine. Whoa. Like, he only did vending machine, but he balanced his calories. And the food he was eating wasn't very nutrient-dense, so obviously mm-hmm. he didn't get much of it. 
But if you balance your calories, you can lose weight uh, in that fashion. But yeah, with with everyone's makeup as individuals, like everything's everything's wrong. <laughs> everything's everything's wrong, and and everything's right. But it's just finding out what works for you, really, and what's sustainable. Mm-hmm. That's the really hard question to answer with a lot of, with all with all different diet fads. Is even over a five or ten year span, you'll get a mm-hmm. little bit of a glimpse, but you really can't know until you have like a generation's worth of studies under you. Mm-hmm. I mean, because even in the last fifty years, diet has transformed so much. But <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot to it, especially with like bodybuilders. Bodybuilders and CrossFitters are big into macros. And your macronutrients and balancing mm-hmm. that. But all that is is managing calories. It's just what type of nutrient-dense foods are you doing in. Keto is counting uh, counting and balancing uh, macronutrients just mm-hmm. in a different way, doing fats. But you're still monitoring calories and you're doing a healthy cal- caloric intake. Carnivore, it's the same thing. You're, te- you're usually reducing intake because meat's so nutrient-dense. You, oh, only, heavy. you only need so much of it. Um, and with... I don't know what vegans is. I guess paper just doesn't have caloric values, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's the same thing. So I think the big I think the big underlying factor that you see is like people are like, oh, this diet worked for me, and I what I what I what I've been really seeing is it's not so much that this specific diet yeah it may have worked for you, it's more of hey I got disciplined about what I'm putting in in my in my body and I'm tracking it and I'm seeing results. That's yeah. really what I think it comes down to. Less less about I mean it's important I think to not eat your processed foods and have just mm-hmm. load yourself with a bunch of sugars and stuff like that. Obviously we know that those in general too much of that is bad, mm-hmm. but as far as any specific diet and how successful it is, it's just it's more about just you're oh you're restricting yourself. And anytime you like same thing with like getting in shape. It's like just pick a plan and go with it, and then just make sure you're do you're practicing like good form, mm-hmm. and you'll get in better shape. And then once you want to get specific and want to do be be good at specific things, then you can start nitpicking. But in general, it's like if you start if you go from not working out to working out, you're gonna see some positive results. Yeah. Well, that's I don't know. That's all. That's all. Just setting like little goals, like set goals. Whenever you're exercising, like, hey, I want to be able to do 100 push-ups in mm-hmm. a workout. Cool. Start working towards 100 push-ups, and you'll get in way better shape at everything else, too. The other part about not eating all the processed foods was there was um, there's another study done with, like, standard American diet and, like, standard foods that you just, like, pick up off the shelves that are, like, super carb-heavy. Right. And, like, uh, formulated to be really delicious. In that when people are left to their own devices, um, to when they're left to their own devices to eat those foods, monitor, monitoring intake on those is pretty crazy because they'll always go over about, like the study showed it was like 500 calories over what's usually, what's typically necessary for mm-hmm. a body just to reach satiety because uh, those those foods are just so conducive to eating and it's that phenomenon when you sit down with a bag of Doritos and like mm-hmm. you can eat the whole it's thing. gone <laughs> like you sit down with it and then it's not there anymore that's wild I always I always remember as a kid thinking like Cheetos are fake because I could always eat a whole bag I was like I don't know these don't ever fill me up this is weird and it felt it always felt so wrong but I don't know how we got on the topic of diet um, let's talk a little about the Rona Mm. And uh, you're so you're a teacher, and you are now off until April sixth. Yeah, but I imagine it'll probably be probably be a little longer. Um, Do you think? At what point do you think they may switch and say school year's over? I mean, in certain areas they've already done that sort of, or they tried to shift to online. But for the most part, they're not going to come back to a physical classroom until next school year. I mean, I guess what's your perspective on all of that? They did that in Kansas, and they're trying to get an online shift. The school year will not be over until the the state abandons the idea of state testing. Um, in that they're still going to want to take state tests because everyone, like, 
state state mm-hmm. tests are God in education, and you have to do the state test. And I teach a subject that's not tested, so I'm kind of like I'm still pretty loose about it. <laughs> like all the math teachers are like, "Wait, the state still wants to the state still wants to test." And I'm not going to be able to teach the kids the stuff they need to know for the test. Oh, that's going to be good. And so their math teachers are freaking out a little bit over what's going to happen. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, even if we shift to online and they they still have expectations for the teachers, with all of the resources that are out there, especially, like, our my district is fortunate enough to be uh, one-to-one technology-wise, which means all of the students have a device that they can use and they all have access to it. And the school district even passed a bond to get hotspots for all these kids. So even like uh, super uh, downtrodden families still have access to internet. Mm -hmm. So my district is super ready to handle this. However, they just sent out the message that only required staff that will show back up to work um, physically is going to be administrators and office staff as well as maintenance um, maintenance staff. Mm-hmm. So those are the only people that are mandatory to come back. Now it's still possible that there may be online expectations of us but as of right now, there's a finite end to our closure because our closure is till April 6th. And so they may come back and say, okay, like we may have to do some online stuff, but if they extend the closure, I imagine that'll happen. And I hope it happens because I think, I think uh, idle hands are the devil's plaything, if you will. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> real life but uh, honestly the the kids need something to do especially on lockdown and i mean they're so accustomed to screen time anyway which there may honestly be like a positive shift when they're forced into screen time <laughs> you have to be on the computer now they're they're gonna be so over it so i think it i hope it creates a positive change and i think we'll be fine and i think I feel like the three-week period is going to be enough to gather the information we need about coronavirus. Because I think... So basically, you're... So, to step back in a general sense, you think this kind of shutdown and limiting that we're seeing across the board, you would you you would say... You, you'd say then, at the end of this three weeks, we'll be ready to, like, start incrementally resuming everything? I think so like I, I would like I would like to see it happen like that, but obviously there's not enough information about coronavirus and anything we can do about it to safely do that. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the three week period, we either a will have enough information to where we can go back physically, or b we're going to need to come up with an online option. And two. Even with the online option, you still deal with the fact that there are tons of parents who don't even care about what their kids do when they're physically at school. So they're definitely not going to care if they do online stuff. So you're still going to get about half participation in a district like mine. But, I mean, we'll, I don't know. It, it's just like a kind of an unprecedented situation as far as... I think so. I mean... What I, we're having to do socially. Yeah, like I said earlier, I think this is going to go down in history, like, long term, 100 years, 150 years from now, when they're, when they're going through history, you're going to say it's the 2020 COVID-19 crisis. Because when have we ever seen all major sports, all major events, concerts, get, get March Madness, like, when have we seen all of that across the board shut down or at least postponed um i mean never like it's the only the only other time that's comparable was during the spanish flu in 1919 they did not they did not award the stanley cup they canceled huh. the stanley cup cuz both teams were too sick to play wow but even then like the hard like just like the people even with the epidemic of spanish flu 
which is go which did and will kill just exponentially more people just by the nature of it and how unequipped people were in 1919 versus 2020 <laughs> just like how hardcore they were and like no we're still going to try and play this game <laughs> and then they show up to try and play the games and they're like well can't really field both the teams so now we're done <laughs> versus the NBA were like oh crap Rudy Gobert coughed on stuff we're done <laughs> shut the league down <laughs> shut it down boys that was wild so one one question that I am and actually got an alert on this earlier, so I'll go ahead and pull it up. But with with March Madness being canceled, um, something I thought was an interesting idea or topic is is wasn't postponed, wasn't condensed in any way, like postponed and then planned to be like, oh, we'll, we'll condense the amount of arenas and tighten the schedule and just maybe not have fans at most of them until like the Final Four if it's been stemmed or whatever. They just outright canceled it, and you have people – Thinking you, your first thought goes to your big name guys who are going to the NBA. This isn't their last hurrah. I mean, it's cool. It's kind of like it's it's a really big moment, but it's more so for all the guys who aren't going to go to the NBA or maybe just go to like the G League or Europe. Like they may have a couple years at best of some form of professional basketball. Mm-hmm. Next topic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Next, um, they may have they may have very little, if any, professional basketball experience, and so this is kind of their like moment to shine. And so the question became, would, uh, which I thought was a good idea, possible would would the NCAA be open to granting like a, another year, extending extending eligibility a year, even though. Mm-hmm. They've played the entire season, and we were in conference tournament time, leading into the big tournament time. So it kind of it's kind of muddy waters, uh, but I do err more on the side of like let the guys come back. But I could see how that could really like you'd have one season of where you'd have to extend the the roster spots for certain mm-hmm. guys. So I don't know if you'd limit it to maybe just seniors who were and seniors mm-hmm. who with with a certain amount of minutes, but. The report that I'm seeing, I mean, give me your thoughts on that, and I'm going to read in this report and we'll talk. My thoughts, my thoughts is I'd like to see a little bit more eligibility for the seniors just because of the fact that the tournament, the tournament itself has lent us, just in this generation, uh, two, two of the best point guards currently in the NBA – and one of the best all time in that if Steph Curry doesn't have the NBA tournament, what does draft stock look like and what does he become? Mm-hmm. Is Steph Curry Steph Curry or is Steph Curry Jimmer for debt? Right. And the other one is Kimball Walker. Yep. In that both of them benefited drastically from the NCAA tournament. Their, their career is not what it is without it. And I feel for those those players who this is their last opportunity to get that on the stage, especially small school guys. Because small school guys get to come, out and, come and show out. Like, yeah, Kimball Walker was at UConn. That's a big-name school. But Steph was at Davidson. And guys like that aren't, aren't going to get those – those same opportunities. Um, so for those guys, the, even the possibility, maybe you just give extra eligibility to the seniors whose teams qualify for the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And that definitely weighs, that messes up small school conference play really bad <laughs> because you've got all of the best teams already are going to return their best players. Uh, and along with, I mean, they're already planning on recruiting and getting new recruits. Yeah, I think that messed up the scholarship situation more than anything. I think I think schools should be allowed to grant uh, an extra year of eligibility if they're willing to sacrifice scholarship spots. Okay, so bring these guys back to hold off getting some new guys. Yes, I think that's a fair trade off. Well, the 
what I saw come up, and this is through Bleacher Report, is that NCAA is unlikely to grant extra eligibility to athletes in winter sports, which is not just basketball. There's a lot of them. Um, there are, <clears throat> to, list, to list them, oh crap, where is it? Winter sports include basketball, hockey, rifle, bowling, women's bowling, um, fencing, gymnastics, skiing, swimming, and diving, indoor track and field, swimming and diving, indoor track and field, and wrestling, uh, men's wrestling. Gosh, this is hard to read. Are all classified as winter sports, so none of those are going to see an extra year of el- eligibility or sharts. No eligibility or sharts. Um, little little fluff there. That was a. <laughs> That carpet's going to be wet with air Febreze by the time it's going to smell real nice, though. The mic is even going to have some residual, hopefully, some residual smell. Nice smell. (coughs) Yeah, that's going to be unfortunate for your mic. Um, We'll be all right. I guess just don't put your nose on it. Um, I never do. I don't need to get close to that, so we're all right. um, Yeah, I I don't know. At the end of the day, really, the only. The only sports I could see it affecting like really big time are obviously basketball, and I think you could make an argument for gymnastics. Mm-hmm. But, because a lot of those people are Olympic, have Olympic aspirations. Some mm-hmm. of them, and there's people with like swimming and diving too mm-hmm. that have Olympic aspirations, but I don't think. I mean, I don't think to the extent that. And even then, the way the tryout process works for gymnastics and um, swimming, it's I mean, it's on your shoulders anyway. Yeah. It's not like a get noticed and like get drafted type of situation. No, it's like gotta... show up to the Olympic tryouts and perform. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't kill your performance aspect. And you've already got your season, your coaching in under it. So honestly, NBA is very unique in that situation. And I mean, indoor tracks the same way. Like. I will say this though, I I do think that college basketball less and less is becoming the avenue in which to become a big NBA star simply from the sense of we're seeing a couple things play out where they're trying to get the whole um, straight from high school rule back instated so that kids can come straight from high school, but mm-hmm. this season what we saw was specifically you had Darius Baisley, five-star top recruit, and took a year off. Trained with NBA guys, did an internship at New Balance, and everyone was like, well, how's he going to turn out? I think he's played pretty darn well for not going to college. And with how sticky and messy the NCAA gets with college basketball and like mm-hmm. people getting in trouble, like what's-his-face Wiseman, was it, from Memphis, who got in trouble? Yeah, this year. Mm-hmm. I, I and, and then he ended up was name, like, eh, yeah. I'll just for-. He's like, forget it. This is too much of a headache. I think mm-hmm. – and then – like you have you have other guys who they don't go to college but they'll go play professionally in Australia Australia is becoming a hot market or Europe they'll go play professionally for a year or two and then they'll get scouted by NBA uh, people and drafted and we've seen that and so I think personally my thought is and this is kind of a, a little bit away from the topic separated is is that as as far as the top recruits, I don't think I think there's less and less of a need for them to try and go to a Duke or go to a, something. I mean, it's, it's it obviously doesn't hurt them in the sense that they you could go and be a part of a legendary storied system, mm-hmm. learn from a coach, and like really really step up your game. But you could also, I mean, you can really get a lot of the same skills and play against playing more of an NBA setting. When in terms of if you go play professionally overseas. You're going to be playing against like some career guys who are in their late twenties, who are full-grown adults and men, and have been playing in that league, and like mm-hmm. this is their profession. Versus, it's all a bunch of kids. It's still just all the same kids I've been playing. Uh, some are older than me, but I'm still like really, really good. But I think the tournament. I think that I think the tournament specifically is kind of your incubator for mm-hmm. all those. Un- relatively unknowns, your Steph Curry's, your Kimba Walker's, your guys like that who come in the tournament and show out and the NBA then gets noticed and it's like, hey, these guys are for real. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you'll have some team draft them and then now we have them. So mm. I I don't know. But I, I think I think it would make sense to do a, a trade-off for scholarships. I never... I was trying to figure out in my brain, like, how, what's a good way to, like, you know, balance balance the scales here if we want to bring guys back, but... 
I think I don't know. I, I it's still so early. Like even with in general thinking about like when this is going to die down, I don't know when it's going to die down. Yeah, uh, if they're able to bring the tournament back, no, don't even make the offer. But uh, I think they're past that though. I don't think yeah. I don't think say say the end of this week rolls around or the end of next week rolls around. So right coming up on the basically the last full week in March and there and it's like really heavily dying off and like we're getting this thing totally contained and it's like oh we and we'll be full bore at the end of this three week break uh, of early April and I I mean I think they are I think they canceled they were like we're done we're canceled and so I think it's on to next year but the uh, I I think it will be revisited only because the NBA is a cash cow, or the NCAA is a cash cow, mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to miss out on the the cash influx that is March Madness. And I know, like, they care about everything, but if there's a way to make it happen, they'll find it. Well, I think they should. I think they should. I think. I think. I think the cancellation. They should. This shouldn't be the end all. Like, I get why they're canceled because it's such a big ordeal to orchestrate but I'm I'm I would I would totally agree with that. I think that they should if it, if this if this cuts back if COVID-19 gets totally under control, I think it's like hey, let's figure out how we can um do this in some way shape or form even if it is empty arenas and it's and it's only a select number of arenas and they and they have to run it like a, like a weekend AAU tournament where it's like game after yeah. game after just cranking them out, you know. Yeah. Then Shoot, let's do it and let's get it done. Get these guys the ability to play, but yeah. the amount of advertising that the NCAA makes money off of too during that is it's asinine. Mm-hmm. Um, Not a big fan of the NCAA personally. No, I, I think they've made a lot of like weird decisions. It's this weird like dictatorship over the over collegiate sports that there's I don't know there's there's just no checking it and. I mean, California kind of tried to by mm-hmm. being like, hey, student-athletes can get paid and trying to, like, basically the local government is passing something that mm-hmm. violates NCAA rules, <laughs> and so it's a whole... It, it brings up the question of the athletes actually getting paid, which I think you're going to see the end of some purity if, you, if once the money... Once the money starts to roll in and you see college athletes getting paid, and mm-hmm. whether it's... I don't know. I think depending on how it's structured, I think you could kind of see... What, how a lot of people who just like college sports more than uh, mm-hmm. professional sports because they say it's more pure. Yeah. And, you know, the guy, people are still playing for the love of the game. Once it becomes all about the Benjamins, you, you do lose yeah. some of that heart. And it's, but I don't know. I, I, I still yeah. think we're a ways from that. My point on that is only that I think they should allow like image licensing. Like if someone, well, if someone's, if someone's going to use your image like in an NCAA game, mm-hmm. you should be able to be paid off of that. Um, what well, my, my thought about it is, is too, is if they're so worried about guys making, a, even off of that, even off their image, if they're so worried about them making money, have a, have a fund set up and that these, lo- these royalties, whatever you want to call them, get, uh, gets put into that I can, that, that is freely accessible maybe upon my graduation or once I'm done mm-hmm. playing. If you're worried about money being in the mix of me, you know, while I'm playing. Yeah, uh, they'll they will have to set that up for using likeness rights. But um, my favorite thing still is the South Park episode where Cartman rolls into the NCAA office. He's like, "I want to buy some of your slaves." He said, <laughs> "They are not slaves, sir. They are student athletes." He said, "Oh, student athletes. Uh, <laughs> I get it." Um, <laughs> No, oh, that's what you call them, student athletes. Ah, ah yes. I get, wink, wink. <laughs> that's hilarious. I freaking dude, South Park. I'm I'm not caught up, but I saw that scene and I laughed really hard. Student athletes. You're a student athletes. Hmm. Like he was some southern aristocrat rolling in. He's like, I want to buy some of your slaves. <laughs> they are not slaves, sir. Mr. Candy. (laughs) What a great movie. But, no, it's... Yeah, it's... I'm just... I'm still in shock and awe and, like... 
it's weird to be able to think like, hey, you need to stay at home. I mean, I'm already, it's kind of easy to do that, but then when it's like forced, it's almost like I kind of want to go outside, but I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of people who just don't have, don't have access to a lot of stuff, which is unfortunate that you have to stay home and do that. Like, introverts like myself are like, hey, this is not half bad. Uh, I don't have, <laughs> I, it's not like I was going out and meeting people anyway, but now the social expectation to do so is no longer present, and <laughs> I'm okay with that. It's like, Ooh. wait, everybody's supposed to just stay at home? Have I died and gone to heaven? This is great. This is the best thing ever. You mean the only contact I, I'll have with people is not face-to-face and online? Yeah, no, I'm good with that, too. Like, I can text I can text people. It's a lot easier than actually talking to their face. And Like, the way I picture it is, like, an introvert is watching the news, and they're, like, self-isolation, like, social distancing. And they look, and they go, hmm, sips coffee. And it <laughs> goes about their day, like, okay, what else is new? Yeah. Already really good at that. <laughs> but, <clears throat> all right, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about, uh, did it, well, talk a little bit about the, the political side of things. And the presidential race, mm-hmm. um, how, I guess, the big, the big talking points are obviously we're down to Biden versus Bernie. Neither option is great. Um... Trump support is up in a lot of ways. I saw an interesting stats saying, like, comparing the 2012 re-election campaign for Obama and how many votes he got in primaries in certain states versus how many Trump has gotten. <clears throat> Next topic. Little one. <laughs> and it was, like, an astronomical difference. Like, but in one of them, I'll just see if I can find it, but um, I guess give me any and all thoughts you have right now on uh, the political state and mo- how, I don't know, just anything. So as far as movies go, uh, if I'm comparing our candidates to movies, it's, <laughs> it is A, uh, Weekend at Bernie's with the Biden campaign. <laughs> the second one is uh, B... The dictator with, <laughs> with um, um, Sasha Baron Cohen or whatever. Yeah, what, whatever that one was, the the dictator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever did that, or or oh, maybe the the, uh, the other one would be like the interview where <laughs> yeah. Seth Rogen goes and talks to Kim Jong Un. Um, and then the third one is made a cameo in Home Alone. Third one was actually in a movie. Was actually so made he a made movie. a cameo in Home Alone. Um, I don't know as as far as movies. I, I don't know. I guess the the equivalent would have to be a TV series, and the TV series is Everyone Hates Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Trump is Everyone Hates Chris. Seriously though, I know for me it's like I wasn't super hard Trump. Even like I didn't vote for him last election. I didn't. Um, I was I was like ah, I'm not really a fan, but then like since he's been in office, the moves he's made, he's a he's really kind of shown to be semi truthful on how he follows through with stuff. I definitely think he does dumb stuff, but at the same time, I don't know. He seems to almost be kind of one of the most straightforward um, politicians, even though he's that friend that just mm. exa- over exaggerates everything in saying you know we all have yeah. that friend when they describe a situation it's like okay that's not really how it happened tone it back three notches and that's probably reality yeah he's he is greatly annoying when he like when he's tooting his own horn like I don't care for it but at the end of the day you do need someone who like shoots from the hip and even if it's like even if it's like word diarrhea <laughs> like it's better to have like his honest word diarrhea and then him backtrack over it and go like well that wasn't great uh, <laughs> uh, that was a little off that was a little off color I'm not gonna apologize for it but <laughs> um I don't I don't know I mean to me, to me, I see, I see it in this dichotomy where you can have, you can have somebody who says all of the right things and is very like, 
buttoned up, and but then their actions, like when you actually see what their actions and what they do, it's like it doesn't match up at all. There's a total disconnect, and which I think is kind of how politics runs and most politicians operate. Anyways, it's a it, it, there's no general trust in them, yeah. but or you can have Trump who word projectile vomits on the internet all the time but you know exactly what he's thinking and 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 that there there's not it's not him putting on some sort of a face yeah. and that's appreciative but i will say more than anything pushed me into his camp has been the response from the the opposition and how Ooh. he's been just completely painted as the devil in every way he can't do anything right and then it to me it's just it's just We've all had those moments with certain people where they get on our nerves once, really bad, and then everything they do is annoying. Yeah. And you don't realize it until usually after, but generally when you step back, you're like, okay, were they really, like, was the way they breathe really annoying? The way they open that door or how yeah. they unpack their lunch really annoying? Or was I just not into that person at all and that just carried over into everything yeah. they did? As an, so like... Perspective as an educator, I feel like, and what I see nowadays, is that there's a lot of people who they're just like, out in the Midwest, there's values, and there's a lot of things that people just aren't taught. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they're not taught that's frustrating as an educator, because kids, I just feel like they keep getting worse and worse, but kids are not sat down, looked in the face, and said, listen, I get it. You cannot like your teacher. You cannot like so-and-so. You can hate their guts. I can hate their guts. As your parent, I can hate their guts. But you're going to respect them. Mm -hmm. You're going to come in and you're still going to respect them and do what you need to do. Kids aren't taught that lesson today. The other one that I see with excessively thin-skinned people. Maybe it's not a lesson. Uh, You know, it it is a lesson. It's something that your parents can do, and it's something my parents did. And they... It's just deciding, is this worth getting mad about? When it comes to small things or things breaking. And I, I was literally told by my parents when I was... When I was frustrated or upset with something, they they literally looked at me and they said, no. They, they just said, no, you're not upset about that. Stop it. You need to stop crying now before I give you a reason to cry about it. <laughs> and there, there are so many things where you have to sit back and just say, is this worth, is this worth getting mad about? And letting it, because at the end of the day, if you're getting mad about it, it's only hurting you. Mm-hmm. It's only frustrating you. And I've never seen things just from like a macro level, minus the corona thing, <laughs> which is China's fault. 100% Absolutely. China's fault. Never have I ever seen things on a macro level getting so much just exponentially better versus like stock market, unemployment rates, and, and everything of the like. And people just being so mind-numbingly angry about everything. It's wrong. Like, everything's getting better, and I'm mad about it. Like, I can't. I can't do it. And that's that's the only thing that I see that's frustrating for me. Because it's like, if at the end of the day, you just have to think about, like, what, how much does the federal government actually control my life? Like Your right day now, to day. yeah. Right now, right now is the time to maybe pay a little bit of attention what the federal government's doing, because they're going to start making decisions and like start making crisis situations where they're going to start doing a lot of things for a lot of people. It's probably something I need to pay mm-hmm. attention to. But on the day to day, the amount that they affect my life, like yeah, they can have a secretary of education or whatever. But education itself is at the state level. Yeah. Each state's responsible for their own education system. So if you're worried about the education of your child in these things, get involved at state level. And more definitely at the local level with like your PTOs and whatever. If you're worried about like 
I mean, anything in your in your sphere, there's a good chance the federal government has nothing to do with it. And our foreign relations with China, like, probably something that the average American doesn't sit down and just be like, wow, hope we're not, hope everything's going okay with China right now. <laughs> Which, I don't know, maybe someone should have told them to not be dirty commies and feed their people, but like, don't eat the bat! Don't eat the bats! No, <laughs> Um, I I don't know, man. It's and it's one of those moments of hypocrisy things too, because I'm like, because I feel like one. I feel like a never Trumper when someone says anything about Bernie, and I really can't do that because I've got I've got a little more faith in our system, in our constitution, in our government itself. Um, that. I don't think that even if he is elected, he can even do that much to me. Well, that's my thing about him. Personally. That's, I'm definitely, same boat. I was, I used to be really fearful, and then I realized he's been in politics for like 40 years, mm-hmm. and he hasn't done diddly, mm-hmm. and, and so now he's been in Congress. And, but, but now his message is, let's revolutionize, and this is how we do it. But the problem is we're not a dictatorship and there's too many checks and balances in place where I don't think people are going to let him get up there and, you know, maybe get rid of term limits or start rigging things, like start doing executive. Like you're going to see things get stopped and he's actually not going to be able to yeah. do that much. It's more of just a figurehead thing. The only the only person on the Supreme Court who wouldn't, who who would go along with Bernie's nonsense would be... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she's she's about to croak. she's playing weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah, she, honestly, her her and Joe over here, her and old Alzheimer's Joe, freaking Joe. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, like, I have to have more faith in my system because if I can, it, honestly, if I sit back and I'm honest with myself, and even if I was a never Trumper, if I sit back and I just look and I see the world's not falling apart. Mm-hmm. On, on actually a larger scale, things are getting better. And if things aren't getting better, I need to look at the local and state that controls things. Like if I live in San Francisco, I need to worry about something because mm-hmm. there's there's like a 45% chance if I walk downtown or in the street San Francisco, I might step in human excrement. Human excrement. Ugh, so okay. bad. Federal government doesn't control that. That's not Trump's fault. Mm-mm. That's that's local government's fault. That's your mayor's fault, and that's your state's fault. When it comes to when it comes to my day to day, on a grand scale, everything's getting better. So even if I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my pledge now, even if my worst case scenario happens, and Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden is elected. I'm I am going to promise that if I sit back and things get better, I'm not gonna have a problem with it. Right. I'm gonna be okay with it and I'll still support my country. And your president. And my not, president not play that whole he's not my president game. I won't I will do my best to not do that. But if someone asked me how I feel about Bernie Sanders. Ugh. And say, I'm sorry, you forgot his first name. And they say, no, I didn't. I said, you forgot Crazy Grandpa Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you forgot his actual name, Karl Marx. <laughs> Fidel. Um, <laughs> uh, Stalin. No. These are all his middle names. Yeah. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie, Karl, Ber- Fidel, Ber- Stalin. Bernie, Bernie, Stalin, Marx, Lenin. Uh, Kim Maduro Castro Maduro Sanders <laughs> Yeah I'm right there with you though I think So that stat I was trying to bring up Is something interesting Because that's kind of what I, I want to talk about Is like What do you think About the uh, We'll get into kind of the race And as far as I, I'm predicting a Trump victory I Over whoever becomes a nominee Which it looks like it's going to be Biden Because I don't think the Bernie bros are willing to rally behind Biden. I think they'd rather sit out, um, at least, oh, I think a good portion of them. But then also, 
what Charlie Kirk tweeted earlier was rather indicative too. So this is the Trump 2020 vote totals compared to Obama's 2012. In Michigan, so both of their re-election campaigns, Obama had 175,000 in their primary because being the incumbent, yeah. you don't you don't really need to go vote for this person. Trump had 640,000. <whistles> Trump in Texas, or and then in Texas, Trump had 1.8 million votes in the primary. Obama had 500,000. New Hampshire, 129,000 for Trump, which feels like most of the population of New Hampshire, and. But I don't know anything about New Hamster. New, the New Hamster, because the old one died because you gave it Dr. Pepper. Obama had 50,000. So I think what that's indicative of is you see enthusiasm, even in a primary vote, which really doesn't matter because Trump's the incumbent, where you don't have to go out and vote. I went out and voted for him. But people going out and voting, and I think that's going to carry over into the general. Now, some people are saying, though, that this whole COVID-19 and the economy tanking is kind of a perfect storm for Trump to not get reelected. But I think if it's blown over by the summer, you're going to see it bounce back and it's going to be fine. And the enthusiasm is going to remain the same. Yeah, I think uh, I'm optimistic, but I think it'll bounce back. Mm -hmm. And the enthusiasm is definitely on a different level. Like his base is is super different. And there's there are tons of people who were. Never Trumpers in 2016 when Trump still won. That I think will will flip will flip the switch, and the incumbent president will perform better than uh, honestly I think any Republican in recent history has. Um, and I think that's a total possibility as long as uh, long as Corona doesn't. Uh, doesn't wipe out the boomer vote because Trump's going to need that one. Yeah. <laughs> it might wipe out the... I did... My question was, when I was watching the debate and I was like 77, 78, these guys combined are 155 years old. They are the prime... They both have underlying conditions. I was like, the, they are prime guinea pigs for COVID-19. Like, COVID-19 is watering at its, at its metaphorical mouth. To get in Bernie and Biden. So question question of the day on that is, if they both got it at the same time, who lasts longer? Because I feel like they both would die. But who who's last man standing in that? Bernie. Yeah? Bernie absolutely wins. I think for some reason... I'm going to go... I, I think Joe. I think no. Joe's... Survived. Bernie's 100% going to outlast Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't... <laughs> Joe Biden is like every stereotypical old guy ever who makes old guy noises. <laughs> and like and he's going senile, mind you. He makes old guy noises and those guys are just like they're just waiting. They're they're just waiting at this point for old Grim Reaper to come. But I there is some tenacity about Joe Bi- or Bernie Sanders and I'm not so certain Bernie Sanders didn't already die once. And he's still kicking because he's like, nope, not done yet. I haven't had my revolution. I haven't had my revolution. I'm not ready to go yet. I think Bernie Sanders may be the only person with underlying health conditions that survives the coronavirus. (laughs) Like, that's how much I admire his tenacity. He's got some real fire about him. He's got some real fire. I don't know. The only thing is, like, if Joe Biden's going to win. Someone's going to have to be, like, in his ear the whole time being like, listen, if you don't pull out of this, you're never going to be able to smell little kids again. And <laughs> you're not going to be able to, like, <laughs> get in, creepily get in people's bubbles. I think that's, I think that right now is killing Joe Biden's will to live more than anything else. The social distancing thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that he can't smell other people. This is asinine. This is a world. This is a world that Joe Biden doesn't want to be in, no. where he can't smell kids. Social distancing nightmare. Nightmare for. <laughs> creepy, and you know what sucks too? Creepy Uncle Joe and Crazy Grandpa Bernie Sanders. It's the two oldest, whitest candidates the Democrats could find. Party of diversity over here. One of them is a Jew. Just, just Ethnic. ethnically. But ethnically, I mean, I think I, uh, I I take the Ben Shapiro route, and that is like that means that means virtually nothing. Yeah, like 
to be like I'm I'm a like he's I'm a proud Jew. And it's like you're not a practicing Jew. You don't yeah. you don't buy into what Judaism is because that's what's so interesting though about Judaism to me is that it's it's not only like a way of living, but it's also an ethnicity, and it's it's that's so intriguing in a sense because. I, I've run into people who are like, yeah, I'm Jewish, and so like we have to do these holidays and stuff, but you can tell they're obviously not in mm-hmm. any way practicing, but because the culture and the religion are melded so so heavily that mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, I guess there's similarities in, in Christianity in, in America, at yeah. least, but, but Judaism specifically, like, he, he'll bring up yeah. the whole, like, Jewish president and stuff like that, and it's like, I wouldn't call him a Jewish president, and you're Jewish ethnically, but yeah. so many people are. Yeah, I don't know. I... I don't know. I'd, I'd still give him credit for that. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you are cool. I, I'd be interested to see what all culture he takes part of. Cause I know, like, uh, I watched a thing the other day, uh, Larry King, which I'm fairly certain. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. He sounds like Thomas off of the, off of the no, no. My favorite comment, my favorite comment, Tom Segura made on that was like, "We just watched him pull himself out of a stroke. <laughs> we just watched a man have a stroke and then pull himself out of it." If you don't know what we're talking about, look up Larry King, Mark Wahlberg, and I'm sure it'll come up. He's interviewing Tom Segura, and he tries to say Mark Wahlberg, and it just goes, "He was Mark Mark Wahlberg." You're starting with Mark. Mark Wahlberg. It's like, yeah, it's like he literally had a popsicle in his mouth and he had to like, and, it, and like it, he couldn't get it and to, it got in a weird place and so the speech got messed up and he had to like plop it out, but there's nothing in his mouth. He's just 86 and still doing interviews. Yeah, that's Why the, are they letting this man do interviews? Yeah, that's the, but, um, the other, the other faux pas too that he does during that is whenever he asks you, guilty pleasure. And Tom says chocolate souffle and he looks and he goes, Soccer souffle? Soccer souffle. He was wildly confused. Soccer souffle? <laughs> like, he didn't know where he was at anymore. Oh, my gosh. Here's, so, Joe Joe gets elected. They they give Trump a hard time for his misspeaks. The gaffes, first of oh, all, man. I don't think he lasts four years. I think, I think they push hard to get nope. whoever's VP, and I pray... To everything, it's not Hillary. I could I could give a rip if it's Elizabeth Warren or Klobuchar. I, I I wouldn't mind Klobuchar actually. She's pretty reasonable. But like, there's this part of me where you see like the Hillary documentary come out and like she just makes enough headlines recently where it's like she she's trying to stay in the mix of things. Is if what it anyone feels like to if me. if Joe Biden picks her as a running mate, Joe Biden is dead after he, right after he's inaugurated. Oh, he'll get he'll he'll die of like a heart attack. Yeah, he's gonna have another one of those. No, wait, what did he have? He didn't have a heart attack. That was Bernie. Bernie, um, yeah, Bernie had to have the stints put in. I don't know. I think I think what'll happen is there will be. Many government officials who now do a deep dive after he's won in Hillary's uh, vice mm-hmm. president, they will do a deep dive and rule Joe Biden mentally unfit. Oh, I think I think they'll be testing him weekly. They'll they, they're going to pull out all the stops to get him because I mean, quite frankly, though, I he just looks so old. Both of them do. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I was just oblivious, but like, go take me back just two years, like when when all of this was kind of starting to kick off and like. They first announced and everything. They looked older, but right now they look so old. Like when they try and show a picture about the debate, I'm like, "Those are two really old guys you pulled from a nursing home and and gave free professional photos, like headshots." <laughs> like it's the has-beens. I always think it's what it takes me back to is that classic video of the two old guys fighting in the driveway. I know I said this last night, but. <laughs> fighting in the driveway if they had a, a promo card it would be the last promo card debate for the debate with Bernie and Joe like that's the promo card for the old guy fight in the driveway like it's a fight card but I don't know it's gonna be crazy to see how it unfolds I think either way we already saw a little did you watch any of the debate I didn't I did didn't. you I watched one I watched one part of it did you watch, like was it minutes. the communism part it was well. It was the part where I was watching Crowder's highlights of it, oh, and yeah. it was like Bernie Sanders. You just lost the presidential. Election. Yeah, that was the communist part. You just lost it. You couldn't say communism is bad. 
Couldn't do it. Nope. He always comes back to you. You you have to acknowledge successes. They poured more people. They pulled more people out of poverty than ever. That that and, happens on average when you kill all the poor. Yeah, people. it helps when there's no more poor people because they've been murdered. Yeah, I mean that's one way to get rid of. Like, look, like my professor in college used to say, look, the most efficient way to lose weight in 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 really fast is just smoke some meth. Mm-hmm. It's super effective. Really thins you down. Not healthy overall, but if all you care about are LBs, you can lose some weight. Yeah. And it's like if all you care about is saying that they eliminated poverty, I mean, you can murder some poor people and that'll eliminate some poverty. If all you care about is upping the literacy rate, kill all the people who can't read. Boom. Literacy, literacy, literacy rate through the roof. No, that's... But that's what gets me about it all. So I think, I think either way, we go into this general... I'm, I've never been excited to watch debates. Like, the last debate was boring. Really what I look forward to is I look forward to Bernie being pressed on the communism and, and his communism sympathy. He won't get the chance. And, yeah, we won't. All, all we'll get is what we saw in the last one where he, he got fired up about it. If you haven't seen it, go look at it when, and just... It is two hours, but they, want, they, they have clips of just that part where he... He walks around it a lot, and he always deflects to, you know, he deflects to, well, they did good things for the literacy program, did good things for that, but never ever, he totally dodges all the humanitarian evils that have been done by these dictatorships and these communist regimes. <laughs> that goes back to my favorite, one of my favorite jokes, which is wrong that it's one of my favorite jokes, but you just set it up and you say, well, Hitler, listen, Hitler wasn't all that bad. I mean, he did kill Hitler. <laughs> it's like not, I mean, you give credit where credit's due. Hitler killed Hitler, right? He killed Hitler. We gotta praise the man who brought. Can the we end give to him a medal? Evil. Does he? He deserves a medal. Come on, the man who killed Hitler deserves a medal. Am Ab- I right or am I right? Absolutely. Let's give this. Let's give this man presidential medal of freedom. That's hilarious, though. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that now. No, that's that's all... But that's a perfect point. That's all Bernie Sanders is doing. He's yeah. just like, hey, give credit where credit's due. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. This guy, I mean, his children behave so well. I mean, he beats his wife. Uh, <laughs> but, wow, what well-behaved children. I mean, credit where credit's due. Are they petrified in fear? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but are they well-behaved? You bet it. You betcha. Yeah, no. Oh, gosh. You look really pretty. I mean, no. Stay on the anorexia thing. Probably not the best, but gosh, do you look pretty. Man, you did wonders for your weight. You really Wonders for Great job. (laughs) You accomplished something in all the wrong ways. Great job, China. So let's close out with uh, what's your quarantines? What's your your go-to... For quarantine, I guess schedule or planning. Like I don't know what you're looking at this now. You know you have another your spring break got extended another two weeks, and you don't have to go to work, and there's really nothing going on. I mean, obviously just hanging out. But is there anything in specific? I guess yard work. <laughs> uh, if it stops raining, I'm gonna do yard work. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do so much yard work. I'm gonna lose my mind. Like today's the first day it hasn't rained, but it's still ridiculously oh, it's wet. Soaked. So it's soaked. So hopefully now that the sun's out, hopefully it doesn't rain tomorrow, which I know I can easily see if it's going to rain. Um, if it doesn't rain tomorrow, man, I want to do so much yard work. Um, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. <laughs> it's supposed to start raining again tonight. Oh my gosh. We got, we got a, like a 15 hour break. I'm done. dude. <laughs> I'm done. It's supposed well, to. It's supposed to stop raining this weekend. Maybe oh I'll get gosh. something done Sunday. Well, what I love about all this is, it's like the moment that, for me and you too, jobs stop, get all this free time. My first thought is like, yeah, let's go. Like, I mean, obviously you can't like do any international travel or big trips or like go out to the clubs or not that Clearly. I want to. But but for me, I'm like, we have like all a bunch of camping stuff now and I'm like let's go camping like let's go do that and it's like no it's gonna rain for um six out of seven days so for the week that I'm off so you should just it's like 
It's like the situation with COVID-19 has forced me inside, and then the, and the nature decided to double up on that and say, no, you're definitely staying inside. Yeah. You thought you were going out. You're going to stay. Well, camping may not be the worst activity because you still get to practice social distancing. It's no, camping is just... a great activity, and that's why I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying the rain dumpage. The rain sucks. Massive sucks. water dumpage from the sky really makes yeah. makes camping hard because well, camping I mean, is a great activity. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's the status on your airstream? Maybe you can just get away. No, yeah. it's not ready for anything like that. No, that's a whole that's a whole nother thing that I don't know, maybe I have more time now I can do something with that, but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the next trip. <laughs> there you go. You found your your quarantine project. There's my isolation. The isolation destination. Yeah, hopefully hopefully yard work um, God, I've got so many trees back there. That'll be fun. No, I, yeah, hopefully yard work, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm going to get so good at watching anime too. Man, I was already good at it, but now watch me fly. <laughs> I feel like there's not... I could be wrong, but at some point you're gonna you're gonna you might you might hit hit the bottom of the barrel at some level and just be and go straight to to the manga. False. I will start watching slice of life animes if I have to. I will I will watch cutesy magical girl animes if I have to. Not saying that I haven't already done that, but <laughs> if the in the immortal words of of Alestorm, we'll we'll scrape up the barrel once more, man. Oh yeah, I no. will. I man, I will scrape the barrel of anime content. There are no more tales to be told, no more stories from battles of old. And it's when it seems my anime journey has come to an end, we'll be scraping the barrel, my friend. I will find everything. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be real. It's just gonna be such a wild ride to see how this unfolds. But I'm. Oh, I was trying to work one. Out. Hey, there we go. Maybe one. It's gonna be a wild ride. I think that's a great note. Double fart. Uh, close it out. Mm-hmm. Close this episode out. Anyways, thanks for being on. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, if you need ideas, one last thing is, just heard that. NBA is going to have let league pass be free so you can go back and watch all your old NBA games. <laughs> and I think that's a wrap on this episode. <laughs> Farts and Coronas. No sharks, though. The Viking fartist. <laughs> all right. Until next time, make sure to give me all your thoughts, your favorite quarantine um, go-to or self-isolation go-to projects or activities. Uh, the rambling viking at gmail.com that's the rambling viking at gmail.com thanks for listening made it this far shout out to steady listener connor look forward to hearing from you and your emails bye